Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Michael Staley with the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. And some Democrats actually look competitive. Also, Governor Ivey is nominated for an Emmy, sort of. We are gonna honor some of our most talented politicians by presenting the Emmy for outstanding performance in a political ad. These are real candidates from real ads, and the nominees are Kay Ivey. Stop her, my great-grandmother will shoot. She didn't win. She did win. Stolen election. Stop the steal. Fake news, fake news. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to The Voice of Alabama Politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and I'm joined today by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire, and Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hi. You know, we, we touched on this at the top of the show, but uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, they, had a, they had an award ceremony and Emmys for the best acting in a political commercial. And uh, Governor Kay Ivey was number one for her her gun and the purse. Susan. Yeah, she was the first in line, yeah. but she did not win. She did I not win. I cannot imagine. It was the <laughs> one where she had the, you know, the purse on the table and she takes out her lipstick and she takes out her iPhone and then she takes out her Smith & Wesson, which <laughs> I thought was hysterical it and was, very well done. It was great. She They said that she lost to a guy, a Democrat from Michigan. And I'm saying, Josh, rigged election. No, it's fake That's news. It's fake news. fake news. It's all fake, fake news. Listen, uh, we need to get our own set of electors in there uh, and redo this, the true set of electors, and get this thing sorted out. I am with you absolutely 100%. There you go. Kay Ivey should have won and did win. That's right. And we'll prove right. it. This will not My, stand. This will not. We'll, no. You know what? Let's storm the Capitol. Let's storm the Capitol. <laughs> you know, and I've called up my friend. Well, Kimmel's office. I've called up my friend. This guy I know, he's very powerful. He's, it's my sofa guy. Right. And my sofa guy is going to come down here and prove there you go. that this was hey, He's going to perform an audit over at the Kimmel's uh, show, uh, perform an he audit on the, on the voter tabulations. Going to be done. And we'll talk to John Merrill and see what he has to say about it, too. Sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, all seriousness aside, uh, Josh, it looks like the Democrats may have their act together in a couple of statehouse races. And it, it really looks like there's there's a real chance that uh, 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 they could take some of these districts. I think the most mm -hmm. interesting and most likely is uh, the one for uh, that uh, uh, Mac McCutcheon is leaving, the speaker's leaving. Uh, tell us about that race in the Huntsville area in that District 25, I think it is. Yeah, so Mallory Hagan is uh, taking on Philip uh, Rigsby, uh, who's a Republican. Uh, you know, Mallory Hagan is uh, a former uh, Miss America, and so she's and, and very popular. And listen, she, um, she should probably be the model for Democrats going forward in how to handle, um, you know, social media. 
uh, how to handle outreach, how to get out and connect with people. Cause man, she does a, she does a really, really good job of, of just being out. Uh, she goes to places, uh, all the time she goes to events. She is constantly somewhere, you know, meeting with people, talking with people and she's on engaging with them on social media. But you know, it, it there, there are other ones in the, in the Huntsville area as well. And, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that, um, first of all, you know, we should give a lot of credit, uh, there to Anthony Daniels, because I think Anthony Daniels played a really big role, uh, in recruiting all of those candidates there. Those are house candidates and recruiting those candidates, uh, who were very good candidates, um, and who have spoke to the issues who, who, you know, they've, they've gone out and spent some money. They've raised money. Uh, they've put in a lot of effort into those and because they have in that Huntsville district now, uh, and the, the Huntsville area, they have a lot of uh, opportunity because of all of the people who have moved into this area, right. uh, and because of the high level of education, uh, in, in the Huntsville area. And if you look throughout the state, wherever there is, there's a section of good public education, uh, good schools that people want to send their kids to, uh, those people are electing Democrats or very moderate Republicans. Uh, and there's a reason for that. It's because people, this is the middle ground that people want to go to. They want to elect moderate Democrats, moderate Republicans, and they want people who work for them and know the issues and, and can get things done for them. What two of the things, Susan, that we're here are driving these campaigns, especially in that Huntsville, Madison area, is one, uh, abortion rights. Mm -hmm. The other is uh, gun control because they're people. Again, moderates do not want to see the extremes on these issues. And I think it's I think it's time that that pendulum started to swing a little bit. I mean, we've got to get reasonable on these two issues, and I think maybe that Madison County area is is headed in that direction. I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. There's yeah. A, I mean, it's. A, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, that's fine. No, I, you know, I, I think you're right. Uh, Susan's 100% right about this. It, it, is the pendulum needs to swing back because what, what we've done is, it, it, let's take the gun issue, for example. I mean, I, I'm not scared of your guns. I'm not, I've grown up around guns my entire life. They, they, they don't bother me at all. But what does bother me is idiots with guns. You know, I would like for that to stop. Uh, and yeah. when you've gone so far that you have even the sheriffs, the county sheriffs uh, in Alabama against their policies on guns, Man, you've gone too far. And people want to, real, yeah. normal, rational people want to reel that back in towards the middle. As a very small percentage of the Republican Party that thinks that you should have guns without limits. Yes. A very small percentage. Uh, you know, also down in, in the uh, Montgomery area, Charlotte Meadows is being uh, challenged mm -hmm. by somebody who might just take her take her down, Phil. Ensley, uh, but Ensler, yeah. uh, we're going to have to switch over here. Judge Roy Moore, after he lost the Senate race in 2017, sued uh, four women that uh, came forward to uh, allege various and sundry misconduct or what they thought was inappropriate behavior by Judge Moore. That's almost five years ago, or this is five years ago, and he can't find a judge. No, all the judges keep recusing, Susan. Well, in Etowah County, all the judges know each other. This is a very small community up here, and everybody knows everybody. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, it might kudos to the judges in that if they know what, and of course they can't have not heard about the case. Right. So it's Etowah County, folks. I mean, you know, I mean, the only worst case is if you were Phil Williams. I mean, 
That's always the worst case. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. It's a uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a shame that it's it's to this point though. I mean, uh, you know, and I know there have been other things that have held it up. There was another case that was very similar that, that took place in Montgomery, um, and, and so you know that involved uh, at least two of these these parties, uh, Roy Moore and Lee Corfman, and um, and so I, I know that that held things up a little bit too. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is they've got motions in the in this case that that been sitting there for four years now that nobody's been able to rule on because the judges keep recusing themselves. And, you know, I, I'm with Susan. I'm not necessarily criticizing the judges. Uh, it's, you know, I wouldn't, if I was a judge, I wouldn't want any part of, it, part of this either because it's going to be a spectacle and it's going to be a, a real pain uh, to have to deal with it and, and it's going to be drawn out forever. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we, we've got to get this thing settled. It's on the books. You got right. Somebody's got to hear it. I mean, even Roy Moore deserves his day in court. Yes. He does. All right, we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The Beat, the voice of Alabama I'm Donald Trump, and I love Alabama. As many of you know, there are few issues facing our nation as important as election integrity and election fraud. This is why the people of the great state of Alabama must work together to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. So get out, register to vote, and get a photo ID so you can make your voice heard and decide the future of our great country. Thank you. There seems to be a new wave of aggressive driving lately. You see those people, they are the ones that are tailgating other people because they have to get through their destination now. Weaving in and out of traffic looks like they could care less about who's around them. There's no one else on the roadway. They're the only one there. Aggressive driving can be the difference between life and death. All because somebody thought they needed to be the front of the line and get there first. Slow down. Don't be the reason that someone else doesn't go home tonight. My dog Jupiter is frightened when I climb too high, the owl said. Check for monsters, Daddy. I did, honey. There are no monsters. You're perfectly safe. Protect yourself and those you love. Vaccinate now. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Michael Staley with the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. Welcome, Michael. Hey, y'all, it's great to be here. You know, y'all been around a long time and uh, that we're just now noticing, uh, most of us consumers, how much electric vehicles are going to impact the world and especially Alabama. Uh, I know y'all been involved with this for a long time, but uh, you, you've got a big summit coming up in, in Birmingham this coming week. Uh, Manufacturer Alabama is sponsoring it, and your guest is going to be Governor Kay Ivey. And this is all about EVs. Can you tell us about that summit and what's going on with EVs? Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, so, you know, EVs are definitely on the rise, and a lot of that is led by the development of vehicles that are electric that people actually want to drive and when people research and learn about them they see the benefit which is less maintenance and lower fuel costs and um, there's actually economic benefits when when the when the price of the vehicles are coming down so 
there's a lot of people in the state that have a lot of questions. There's a lot of reason to have a gathering, an EV summit, where we can discuss everything from the basics of an EV to what's going on in the state with, you know, initiatives related to EVs, uh, to also talk about what do the electric utilities have to say about the grid capacity? Is this an issue that we should be thinking about? Um, is the automobile manufacturers, what types of support do we need to remain competitive as one of the top, uh, we are the number four automotive uh, exporting state in the country. So what do we need to do as a state to make sure that people are leaders in communities and businesses, that they're educated? And there's a big, big catch here. There's a bunch of money coming from the federal government for charging infrastructure grants over the next five years. And right. people have lots of questions. So this EV summit is, an, is a way to bring everybody together to provide education about EVs, what they mean in an Alabama way. What does it mean to our state, not California, not New Jersey, not New York, but Alabama? What are we doing with EVs and why should communities care about it? And that's what the EV summit is designed to help and, um, and educate people on. Uh, how can people get involved in this? So if you go to driveelectricalabama.com, you will find a link uh, to the EV Summit registration. And you also can find additional information as research or background information that you may be interested in. So driveelectricalabama.com is the place you can go, not only to find about the EV Summit, but also even on Monday, we're having an event in Auburn. Uh, we have upcoming events all over the state where people can uh, actually look at, touch, feel, and see EVs talk to the owners, and learn about that experience of EV ownership. You, you touched on this a, a little bit before. How will the, the EVs affect Alabama specifically and, and, and Alabama communities? I mean, can you give us a, a, a more sense of how that's going to work out for us? Absolutely. So there's several things that EVs have an impact. First is on our state's economy and job creation and our existing automobile manufacturers as they are entering into manufacturing EVs. Uh, those EVs are being exported all over the place. And when people, uh, when we produce more cars and sell more cars, our state is more uh, successful uh, from an economic standpoint, creates more jobs, and there's a benefit to our citizens, uh, communities and citizens also benefit. So people that drive an EV, uh, you know, you have to find a car that you want to drive. We all know that. But with the new models that are coming out today, the range is not an issue. Uh, the, 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 the price is really coming down. You can get a four-door uh, pickup truck now for under $50,000 that's electric that has a range that will meet most people's needs. Most people charge an EV at home. 90% of people will solve all their charging needs at their house. I drive a pickup truck. I've ordered a Chevy Silverado. Uh, mine still burns gas, but I've, I've ordered the electric truck. And when you charge it at home, you're going to have about a dollar and 10 equivalent of, uh, you know, per gallon is what, what the equivalent would be for the electricity. So you save money. Now let's talk about communities for a second. Uh, you know, mayors, county commissioners, th their focus is, how do we make sure that people are stopping in our communities and they're spending money while they're in our communities and leaving behind that revenue that supports our government basic functions? And so what we have with EVs is not only a very big increase, in fact, 62% increase in EV registrations in Alabama last year, but wow. across the country, drivers are driving EVs. Now, 
their cars, they go to charge when they're on a trip. They're going to stop where there's a charger. So if you have a charger at your business location, then people are going to come there naturally and they're going to leave money in that community. So for communities, if I'm a mayor, I'm a county commissioner, I'm thinking, how do I make sure that in my community I at least have a basic level of support so that someone that's driving an EV won't go right around my community to get to the next one? Uh, and also as a state, there's a plan to think about what do we do statewide? How do we make sure that we're not just looking at the interstates, that we're looking at places that are in you know rural areas, urban areas, where do we need more density? And so it takes a plan and it takes collaboration. And again, that goes back to this EV summit in Drive Electric Alabama, which is go and just give it a chance and learn. There's a lot of questions out there. And, you know, a lot of people have uh, hesitation. A lot of people don't have all of the information. And there's a reason to be uh, skeptical of new things. But what I've learned uh, over the last few years studying this very hard is that it really is good for our state and good for people. And it's, uh, you know, something that I, I hope that uh, we will definitely uh, and continue to see more people adopting uh, electric transportation. Uh, you know, interestingly, uh, we got about a minute left here. California has passed legislation that uh, does away with all gas-powered vehicles by 2035. Do you see anything like that ever happening in Alabama? What I see happening in Alabama is that we're happy to send vehicles that we make here in our state and and, uh, and transit buses that are made, that are electric buses that are made. You know, it's either China or Alabama, um, you know, for transit buses that are electric. Uh, that's their biggest competition for new flyer. So we have companies that are making these vehicles. And when states pass mandates, I think that it's a great market uh, development for Alabama's products that we export. And also, um, I don't see any uh, any effort to have anybody in our state told that they have to drive some certain kind of car with certain kind of fuel. And I think that would be, um, you know, something that would never happen in this state. But I think it's also um, important as we know that um, it's important for people to have these opportunities, uh, we don't want to overlook the value of having electric vehicles involved in our transportation system. Okay, well, Michael, best of luck with the summit. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and go to driveelectricalabama.com. You can see a lot more information. Thank you all and have a great day. Our special guest today has been Michael Staley with the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. We'll be right back. Throughout my career, I've seen many crashes, and a lot of the fatalities are from people who haven't worn their seatbelt. Cars have rolled over multiple times. I've had people end up in lakes, um, ravines. I've been looking for people in the woods for a couple hours before. Usually just about every bone in their body is broken, their organs have ruptured, and typically they die. You want to save a life, just simply click a button and put the seatbelt on. Seatbelts really do save lives. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread and kissed them all soundly and put them to bed. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. 
Speed is one of the biggest factors in a fatal car crash. Your car stops, but your body does not stop at the same time. Your body keeps going, you know, and that could be running into your seatbelt, that could be hitting the airbag, something has to stop it, and unfortunately it's something very hard. There have been times that we've come upon accidents where if people weren't speeding, they'd probably still be alive today. It's truly dangerous and it puts everybody at risk. There's just no point to it. This kind of stuff has got to stop. Welcome back to the V, the voice of Alabama politics. Uh, the state of Alabama has proposed uh, to execute uh, a, a criminal who, who's been charged with murder and found guilty of murder. Uh, they're going to use a novel uh, method, or they propose to use a novel method to execute him, and that's nitrogen hypoxia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's never been used in the United States, but Susan, this is the plan. This is a plan. Um, what they're going to do, this, the, what it is, is basically he's be forced to uh, breathe in nitrogen. Um, now, what it does is actually suffocate the body. It suffocates the internal organs, but not in the way you would think. He'll be, he'll be able to breathe in and breathe out. It just will be pure not, uh, nitrogen and not oxygen. So as the body shuts down, it will basically be a painless procedure, unlike the procedure last month where they basically tortured the man to death. But it's never been proven, it's never been used, so we don't really know, only theoretically do we know what it's gonna do. I mean, Josh, you know, it, it's basically you suffocate, but they claim that it's painless. I don't know how that's painless, but again, we keep coming up with novel ways of killing people yeah. because of executing them, which is killing, uh, because the drugs that we need uh, are, are manufactured in Europe in places where they're not going to sell us those drugs to put people in debt. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, weird how innovative we can be when it comes to killing people, but yet we can't figure out how to save you know mothers uh, after birth, after childbirth. Um, it's it's a real shame um, that we're basically going to move forward with this. Uh, it, it costs us so much more money. To do this, and, you know, and I, I've said before, I'm I'm not necessarily anti-death penalty. Okay, I I have my problems with 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 it. I have, I have definite problems with our current system, and I have a huge number of problems with the way we do it in the state of Alabama. But you know, I, I just let it go. I mean, my God, you know, at this point, it it, it you just seem like ghouls. You really do. I mean, you're coming up with innovative ideas of how to kill people because, you know, people have turned against this form of punishment. And let's just go with it. It's no pleasure being in prison for life. It's not. You're not aiding anybody in this. You know, you're just costing us millions and millions of dollars to pursue this. And it's always an issue. It's always a problem. I mean, there are people who say that they were cruel in their murder of people and they took their lives away and that they should be punished uh, mm -hmm. like that. But and and the, the the United States, we have laws against cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so this is untried, untested. But like Josh said, we, we, we keep coming up with these novel ways to execute people because the most of the civilized world doesn't do this anymore. But Alabama is, has been hell-bent on, on continuing this type of execution. Yeah, right. 
You, uh, you know, it, it, also it, Mississippi and Oklahoma in 2018 did the same thing. They have not used it yet. Alabama will yeah. be the first. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, yeah. yeah, it just is, uh, you know, in the, in the arguments for this thing, you, you know, they, they talked about um, the, their reasoning for, for doing this was uh, that, well, the, the victims uh, that this man, man killed, uh, were, they didn't get to choose how they died either. Right. And, you know, man, you, you can't base your, your method of punishment, your method of corrections, I guess, you can't base that upon the people who you're punishing uh, on their right. actions, because you have to, we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Otherwise, mm-hmm. who are we to judge these people? If we can't, if we're not holding ourselves to this higher standard, then, then we have no right to do any of this. Well, and I, you know, again, I, I, I'm of two minds on the death penalty, uh, you know, uh, because I've, there've been s- some executions and many executions mm-hmm. we know for sure that were, were innocent people. I think mm-hmm. where, where something that truly bothers me, and maybe this is my own sort of warped sense of justice, is that when the state puts someone to death, they are putting them to death in my name, yeah. your name. Yeah. Right. Yes. We are the state. Yes. And so I, with me, I want to be 100% sure, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure it's done without cruelty. Right. Because the murderer's cruel doesn't mean, again, back to your point, that we should be cruel as well. I completely agree with Josh. We've got, to, if it's in my name, we've got to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't really know how you sleep at night I don't when you are, are, aren't making secure of this. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve Marshall has made a big deal out of this. Makes uh, a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, and, and, and this is a guy who, who claims to be so pro-life that you would think that he <laughs> walks on water. But when yeah. it comes to the death penalty, he, he's pro-death. So I don't, sometimes when you're, you, you, I, I get confused because if you're really pro-life, shouldn't you be consistently all? I think he walks on water in the bathroom. He does. Yeah. I, the bathroom. Well, let's let's, let's move <laughs> over to Steve. Speaking uh, of, Steve has now said that uh, he he he's considering prosecuting uh, women or and or anyone who helps a woman obtain an abortion out of state, Josh. Yeah, at, uh, I wrote about this. I heard him on an interview on a Mobile Talk radio station uh, giving this interview in which he was asked about comments made by uh, then-Democratic Party Chair Chris England and, uh, and Anthony Daniels, uh, who had made some comments about what could happen to women, uh, uh, the people who assist women who go out of state to have abortions. And, you know, we just had a lady from Louisiana who was forced to travel to New York to have to, you know, basically abort her pregnancy because her fetus was, was being developed without a skull. Uh, which is something that happens in rare cases, and it was is not going to be viable, and so she was going to be forced to carry this in Louisiana to term. Uh, so she traveled to, to to New York, and a lot of good people got involved with her and helped her make that trip and pay for it. And and he seemed to indicate uh, on during that radio interview that he was going to seek to to prosecute people who assisted others uh, in traveling out of state to have those abortions, and if they held themselves up. And I think he, he mentioned a group out of Tuscaloosa uh, at that point, and I believe he was speaking of the Yellowhammer Fund, uh, who were you know going to try to assist women who were desperate and in need of abortions, and they were going to help them try to facilitate those abortions in other states. And uh, he talked about prosecuting them, something that they were going to look at as possibly a felony under our, our accessory and conspiracy statutes of the law, um, you know. But they were going to charge them with felonies for assisting these women for going out well, of state for a medical procedure. 
even Brett Kavanaugh himself said that's an interference with interstate travel. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the Supreme Court Justice, you know, he said that that, that that would be an option for women. So I think if he tries to do this, it will be charged. He's grandstanding again. It, once again, Steve. But who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop no. him from doing it? No one. I don't know. Not no yeah. one in the state. But anyway, we're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. Yeah.